From the earliest days of my life forward, I've always found myself in church. My parents took me to church when I was little. I was baptized as an infant. I was always going to children's church and stuff on Wednesday night at church and learning the stories of the Bible on little felt boards and worksheets and um, loving all of that kind of stuff and, and beginning to learn more about Jesus Christ as I was growing up. But it wasn't until I was in late elementary school and I was at a camp in the mountains of North Carolina that uh, a camp counselor pulled me aside and, and said, hey, I want to tell y'all about Jesus. And I'm sure I'd heard this stuff before, but this time it was different. The camp counselor began to tell us that, that God had sent Jesus to show us how to live and that God had sent Jesus to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins and that Jesus had risen from the grave and uh, defeated death and that we could live with God forever by asking him into our lives and by believing in him. And he was like, you're going to have the opportunity to do that later. Is that something y'all are interested in? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds amazing. And so I was thinking, you know what? Jesus died for me. I can live for him. And, and so that night I said, you know what? I want to commit my life to Jesus. I want to receive forgiveness. Even at a young age, I knew I had done things that were wrong and I wanted to live with God forever. And that night, things in my relationship with Jesus began to change. And since that time, I've been on a, a journey of faith, growing and maturing as a Christian. And things haven't always been perfect. There's been challenges. There's been suffering. There's been hardships. But throughout it all, I've known that God loves me, that God is with me, that God is for me. And I've had a sense of peace that I wouldn't have otherwise because of Jesus Christ in my life. And when I look back and think about my parents and that camp counselor who, whose name I don't know, I have no idea who they are, they have no idea that they impacted my life, I'm grateful that they shared the good news of Jesus with me because that good news has transformed my life. And I know if, if we were to, to pass around a microphone this morning and hear stories from you about your faith and how you've come to know Jesus Christ. You'd probably hear similar stories. I know many of you grew up in churches, grew up in, in Baptist churches. Give a shout if you grew up in a Baptist church. Y'all yeah. were taught not to shout or raise your hands, probably, you know. I just wanted to let y'all let it out, you know. Maybe you grew up in a Baptist church or a Catholic church, maybe a Presbyterian church or, or, or just some other church. And, and it was there that somebody in your family or a friend took you at a young age and you began learning about Jesus and the good news about him transformed your life. Or maybe that wasn't your story. Maybe you, you didn't ever come to church as a kid. Maybe it was later in life, a coworker or a friend or a family member met you in a time of hopelessness and helped give you peace through Jesus in a time of conflict and anxiety in your life. Maybe they invited you to church or they shared their faith with you and that had a great impact on you. And, and through them, your life has been transformed by Jesus, all of us have unique stories, and it's good news to know that Jesus has the power to transform every single person's life in this world. And he wants to transform every single person's life in this world. This is good news that we should celebrate, celebrating what God has done in our lives. But even as we think about that, and we reflect on that, and we have gratitude for that, I want to share with you some bad news. And the bad news is actually that the transformation that, that so many of us have experienced in this room 
is happening less and less to people around us in our community, in our country, and in our society today. And you kind of know this, right? You kind of know things are shifting. And I mean, the statistics bear it out. Actually, this last week, the Pew Research Institute just released a new study an updated 10-year study. I know you can't read this, but this is the percent of U.S. adults who identify as Christian. 10 years ago, it was 77%. 10 years later, it's down 65%. It's down to 65%, dropping 12% over those 10 years. I mean, you can just look, right? It's in decline. If you look at the bottom, that says religiously unaffiliated. This is people who identify in our society as atheist, agnostic, or or simply just kind of none of the above. I'm not really interested in all this stuff. And it has had a steady increase from 16% to 26%. And and the statistics, you know, that's one thing. But I think all of us, we, we kind of feel this around us. That fewer and fewer of our family members are connected to a church. If you work with kids or the next generation, you kind of know fewer and fewer people know even who Jesus is or, or why he came or any of the Bible stories. I mean, you might feel this in, in your workplace that the percentage of people who identify as Christians is, is kind of in decline. And now, this study doesn't reveal why this is. I mean, maybe it's that simply fewer people are identifying as a Christian. There's fewer kind of cultural Christians who claim the name, but it doesn't make much difference in their life. Maybe it's due to birth rates because those are changing. There's a lot of different things that that we could attribute this to, but I I think a lot of us know deep down that things are shifting, and one of the reasons is because of us. It's because of us. I mean, it's bad news because the mission of the church is to share Jesus Christ with other people, with our community, with our country, and to the ends of the earth. That's our mission. It's our why of why we exist And so this is bad news for us because we want everyone else to experience the transformation through Jesus Christ that we've experienced. And it's becoming more and more rare. And, you know, when we think about this mission that we have to share Jesus with others, it's something if you've been around in church for a while, you you kind of know that this is our mission. This is the mission Jesus gave us. And we're going to look at his words a little bit later where he gave this mission. We know this is our mission, but a lot of times, even though we know this is why we exist, we know this is our mission, this is hard for us to do. It's hard for us to share our faith with other people, even though this is foundational to who we are as a church. And I think it's hard for a number of reasons. I mean, one of the reasons is that, you know what? Christians have done a lot of bad things in Jesus' name. Pastors proclaiming the name of Christ on Sundays have lo- done a lot of bad things. I mean, we, we look in our culture, we can, we can see terrible stories all over the media that are true, that have given Christians a bad name. And so sometimes we, we kind of get embarrassed or we kind of get shy and we don't always want to be associated with all these different people. And so we, we become kind of quiet. And that's one reason. Another reason why some of us don't share Jesus with others is because we feel like, well, that's, that's some people's job, that's some people's gifting, but I don't know enough to do that, right? I don't know how to answer every question about the Bible, or I don't know what I would say if somebody, you know, asked me where the book of, you know, 
whatever was. We just like, we get kind of intimidated thinking about even sharing our faith and bringing it up with somebody. And another reason why I think we don't do this is because we, we've seen it done wrong. And we've been made uncomfortable. Maybe, maybe you've been a waiter or a waitress and you're working for tips to provide for your family and then instead of a tip to help you feed your family, somebody just gave you a little Christian track and no money. That ever happened to anybody in here? Or maybe you were on a college campus and there was some preacher who was just yelling at you, calling you an abomination for what you were wearing. Maybe when you think about sharing your faith, you, you think about somebody going door to door and just knocking and hoping people answer, and you're like, I don't know about all that. I don't know if I can do that. And so we think, well, I don't know exactly how to share my faith. And we think maybe there's a better way, but, but we don't know, and so a lot of times we end up doing nothing. If you've ever felt or thought any of those things when it comes to sharing your faith, I'm glad you're here this morning because what I want to talk about is how to share your faith in a non-weird way. Is that all right? Yeah, in a non-weird way. How to share your faith in a very natural way, in a very relational way. And as we look at how to do that, I think the best person to look at is Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who called disciples to him originally. He's the one through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, through his power, he began to transform people's lives. And so when we look at his life, we can begin to see how he did it and how maybe that would be helpful for us as well. And so um, we're going to be looking in John's gospel, John chapter one, at some of the first words we have recorded from his ministry there in that account of his life. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in John chapter one, verse 35. And I just want you to kind of listen to this story and think about this web of relationships and the things that are going on here. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and he asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. If you have a Bible, I want you to, I want you to circle that, that line there, that first part of verse 39. Come, Jesus said, and you will see. And so they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who'd followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah and he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and he said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas just translated Peter. And the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee and finding Philip, he said to him, he said, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one who Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there, Nathanael asked? Come and see, Philip said. Circle that if you... You have your Bible, or you're kind of highlighted in the Bible app. Come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now, there's a lot of characters, a lot of relationships, a, 
a lot of relationship building going on here, but I want you to notice a few things as we kind of zoom out and get the picture. Notice Jesus didn't do any high-pressure sales tactics or sales pitches trying to close the deal with these people. Also notice that he didn't guilt these people into following him or becoming his disciples. He didn't shame them. He didn't do anything like that. Instead, he gives Andrew and another of John the Baptist's disciples, he, he gives a simple invitation. He says, come and see. Come and see. And so they go. They have an encounter with Jesus. Andrew runs to his brother, Simon. He tells him, he's like, look, you got to check this guy out. He has an encounter with Jesus. Then Philip meets Jesus. He goes to Nathaniel. And what does he say? He says, Nathaniel, come and see. So he goes to Jesus. He spends time with him. And he has his life transformed. And from there, throughout history, we see this pattern continuing of people coming to Jesus, having their lives transformed by him, and things changing forever, all because of a simple invitation, an invitation to come and see. No pressure, nothing crazy, nothing awkward. Hey, come and see, come check this guy Jesus out. Jesus says, come and see. And you know why this was so effective for Jesus? It's because people were drawn to Jesus. Especially people who were outcasts, people whose society looked down upon, the poor, the sick, the needy, people who were known by their sin. A lot of times we think, well, those people wouldn't have liked hanging out with Jesus. Those people were drawn to Jesus because with him, they encountered love that they'd always been longing for. With him, they encountered peace that they'd never had. With him, they encountered healing. They found, they found somebody who understood them, who had listened to them and loved them. They found forgiveness. They were drawn to Jesus, and when they came to Jesus, their lives were transformed, all through that simple invitation to come and see. And here's the thing, when the church is living at our best, that simple invitation is very effective for us as well. That invitation to say, come, see, see our church, check it out. It's very effective for us because in a world where people are living in more and more isolation, when they come into a church and they see real community where people love each other in real embodied relationships, they see something different than they see every day. When they come and see people caring for each other and being kind to each other and forgiving one another, it's something radical they don't see in our culture. When they come here and they discover, you know what? I don't have to produce. I don't have to manufacture. I don't have to perform for God. Through Jesus Christ, his grace comes to me freely. They're drawn to that. And it's refreshing. It's like water for the soul. And so part of our calling as the church is to be a community that says, come. Come and see. Come check things out. And so if you look in your bulletin, we have some fill-in-the-blanks there. The first one is come and see. And then there's a little church there. And I know some of y'all are visual and some of y'all are doodlers. So I, I put this in there. But this is the movement when we think about coming and seeing. It's inviting people to move towards the church. And if you like to doodle, you can draw those arrows in there. It's very simple. 
It's a very simple invitation, but it can have a dramatic impact on somebody's life. And we're not inviting them here because we think we're some perfect group of people or that we have it all together or that we have every single answer because, look, you can look at the person next to you and know that that's not true, right? Okay, y'all didn't get that joke, but that's okay. You got it. It, was, it hit too close to home. We're not a perfect community. We don't have it all together. But what we do have here when we gather is Jesus. Jesus is present in our midst. And so when we invite people to come and see, he is here and it's him who is able to transform other people's lives. And so we try to make this uh, easy for you. And one of the ways we, we do that is, is through invite cards. And uh, we have some invite cards. Usually they're scattered around the church, but they're at the doors today. They're very simple, but it's just a simple tool that enables you to invite other people to come and see. It has our website, and I don't know if you know this now, but before people ever step foot on a church property, they always go to the website. Now a lot of times they look at pictures, they go to social media, they listen to sermons. Most people who visit nowadays have listened to a sermon before they even get here. So they want to check things out and kind of look at things on their own chance, and then you know they'll come and see when they're ready. But the invite cards are a very effective tool for people to, to come and see and for you to say, hey, you know what, here's the information, here's the address, here's a little map. And so we have those available for you and we want you to take those and use them. But you might be thinking, well, I mean, how do you do that? Like, you know, you're just like, you know, your, your kid who lives at home with you, hey, you know, here's a little card to come check out our church. Andy Stanley, who is pastor of North Point Church, which is one of the largest churches in America that reaches unchurched people, he says you know what, when you're thinking about who to invite to church, who to invite to come and see and check things out, he says you need to listen for these things. He calls them the three knots. He says, when somebody says, you know, they're not in church right now, maybe they just moved to the community, they're new, they, they haven't found a place yet, or maybe they used to go to a church, they've fallen away, and they're like, yeah, we're not in church. It's a great opportunity to invite somebody to come and see. He says, whenever you hear somebody say, you know what, things are not going well. Things are tough right now. He says, that's a great window of opportunity to just say, hey, why don't you come and check out our church? We'll pray for you. We'll support you during this time. He says, whenever you hear somebody say, you know what, something happened in life and we just were not prepared for it. He says, it's another time when people are oftentimes open to an invitation to come to church and to check things out. And so we have these little cards and they say, come and see. And you know, it, it can be helpful to say, hey, you know what, check us out sometime. But what's even more helpful and more effective than that is to say to somebody, hey, I don't want you to just come visit our church whenever. I want you to come sit with me. I want you to join me on Sunday. Because it's very intimidating to walk into a church if you've never been into one. I mean, you don't know if there's going to be snakes on the altar or if there's going to be like, you know, people doing, you just don't know. You don't know. And so for somebody to be able to say, hey, you know what? Hey, come sit with me. They know when they get here, they're going to have a friend here already. Somebody who can introduce them to other people. And so it's a very simple but effective invitation to come and see. And, and we have events that we try to make this easy for, like Breakfast with Santa coming up. It's an easy event. Hey, you know, you have kids? Come and see. Come check us out. Hey, return to Bethlehem. You like to do things as a family at Christmas? Hey, come and see. Come check our church out. We try to have these events where people can come 
and see what's going on here because I believe that Jesus is here. And when people encounter Jesus, things change. Now, of course, we have to be welcoming when they come. We have to be welcoming, be actually not just friendly, but be willing to make friends with people. We want to show them grace when they come to this place of worship. And that's part of our responsibility. But it is an awesome opportunity, an awesome privilege to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. And thinking about sharing this with other people, in the AJC last week, I think it was, I saw this article. I don't know if any of you saw this. Henry County to add 152,000 residents by 2050, according to the Atlanta Regional Commission. We're going to be the second fastest growing county in the metro area. Now, I know some of you, when you, when you hear this, your immediate thought is, where are these people going to live? <laughs> then your second thought is like, oh my gosh, traffic is going to be terrible here. Okay, so I want you to take those thoughts, just put them to the side right now. And I want you to think about this thought from Jesus, who said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Tens of thousands of people are moving into our community people who don't know Jesus, people who don't have a church home, people who are desperate for love, who are desperate to know forgiveness, who are desperate to know purpose. They're coming here. And it is a privilege, it is an honor, it is a great opportunity for us as a church to live out the mission that Jesus has given to us. And so I know it can be, be frustrating but this is awesome, and maybe you don't agree with this, but one thing I do, every time I see a new neighborhood coming up, I just thank God. Whenever I see a new business, I thank God. I say, God, thank you for the people you're sending here because the people of Harvest Point, we want to reach them with your good news. Thank you, God, for making it easy for us. We don't have to go too far like some people. They're right here. Thank you. And we have an opportunity to invite them to come and see and encounter Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to invite people, invite your family, invite your friends, invite your neighbors to this place of grace. But even as I give you that challenge, I also want to let you know something else. And maybe this is bad news, but this is just true news. The reality is, in our culture today, fewer and fewer people are going to accept that invitation from you. Especially on the first time you give it. Don't think, oh, I invited them once. You know what? That's good. Sometimes it takes multiple invitations. Sometimes you're going to invite people. They're never going to step foot on this property. Things are shifting in our culture if you haven't noticed. I mean, some of y'all, you grew up 30 years ago. You just put a tin outside and put a sign that says revival. You'll have hundreds of people show up on a Thursday night. Y'all remember those days? You might even remember 20 years ago. You know what? You have something fun for a family, you have an inflatable, all sorts of people come out of the woodwork. You have free food, man, hundreds of people show up. Things are different now. People don't always have a felt need for God or for forgiveness or for church. You kind of think, why would I do that? So many people have been burned by the church and hurt by the church. You think, why would I want to be a part of that? And so it's not enough 
for us to just say to people, hey, come and see, come sit with me, come check it out, because a lot of people are never gonna accept that invitation from you. They're not gonna accept it from anybody, and so we have to actually do something else. We have to actually do something different. And to look at what that is, I want us to look not at some of the first scenes from Jesus' life, but some of the final scenes from his life. Matthew chapter 28. There, after Jesus rose from the grave, we find this beginning in verse one. And if you have your Bible, why don't you get your pen ready? I'm gonna invite you to highlight some stuff here. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, the angel rolled back the stone and sat on it and his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. There it is again. Then... Go quickly and tell his disciples. I want you to circle that part in verse seven. Go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshiped. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell. There it is again. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. And then a few verses later, we find that the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded to you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Those last few verses are what we call the Great Commission. It's Jesus giving the church our mission, our mission, which is foundational to who we are. It's why we exist, and that mission is simply to go and tell others. To go and tell others. And some of his first words and first interactions with people, Jesus, he's saying, hey, come and see. And that is definitely a part of our mission. But now, in some of his final words, he switches it up and he says, look, don't just come and see. Also, you need to go and tell. And so if you're doodling, you, this is how this is doodle. The movement of the church is also outward. Yes, it's inviting people here, but it's also us going and meeting people right where they are. Go tell others the good news that God loved the world so much that he sent me for you. Go tell others the good news that death has been defeated. Sin has been conquered. There is forgiveness. There is resurrection of the life through me. Go and tell others everything has changed. He's saying, look, we can't just have holy huddles here and hope that people come. Those days are over. They're not just gonna show up on their own like they used to. We are called to go and to tell the good news. This is our calling as a church. I mean, maybe you put this together, but this is actually why, as a church, we're doing things like this fall festival next week. Instead of saying to people, hey, you know what? Come and see us. Put gas in your car. 
work your schedule so that it's convenient you know, for us, and then you come here, we're saying, no, no, actually, we're going to go to you. We're going to go to where you are. We're going to go to people who, who might not be able to, to come to church because they don't have reliable transportation. We're going to go to people who, who most of us probably don't have relationships with. We're going to go to people who might not ever step into church on their own. We're, we're going and meeting them right where they are, just like Jesus meets us right where we are. We're called to go and tell. And this is our calling, not just as a church. This is also our calling as people of faith. God is calling you to go and to tell others in your life the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you think about your life, think about your friends, your family members, your coworkers. You probably have people who, who don't know Jesus. They don't know his love. They don't know his forgiveness. They don't know the hope that's possible through him. And a lot of them, they're, they're never just going to show up at a church. They're not just going to crack open a Bible or, or, or just start praying. But here's the thing. God has put you in their life on purpose and for a purpose. He has put you there so that you can be a light to them, so Jesus can shine through you to them. It doesn't have to be awkward. You have natural opportunities to share the love of Jesus with them, to simply be a witness, to share what God has done in your life with them as it comes up. And as you are listening to them and loving them right where they are, as you begin to hear their needs, you can begin to connect the good news of Jesus Christ to their lives in a very natural way. And when they have questions, you can help answer them. When they think, well, I don't know about those Christians, but I, I like you, this Christian, their defenses are lowered. And if they ever took that step to come to church, they have somebody to walk alongside of them on the journey. God calls us to go and to tell other people in our lives the good news about him. And researchers say that all of us have a, a sphere of influence the eight to 15 people that we come into contact with on a regular basis. For some of you, that's mainly your family. For some of you, that, that's mainly coworkers. That's where you spend most of your time. You have friends, people that you text with on a regular basis, people that you hang out with. And no one is better suited to share Jesus Christ with them than you are. No one else. And the good news is that God goes before you God is working in the lives of every single person to draw them to himself. All you have to do is show up, love them. Listen. Let your life be a witness to the good news of Jesus Christ and share the transformation that you've experienced with them. And so as we close this morning, in your bulletin, you'll see three numbers at the bottom there. And uh, these three lines represent three relationships in your life, three people. And I want you to think about those people this week. But this morning, I just want you to look at that first line, number one. And I want you to think in this moment about one person in your life. They don't even have to be local. One person in your life who doesn't yet know Jesus, who you might could share 
Jesus with in your own way in this next season. I want you to take a moment, take a pen. If you don't have a bulletin, you can just grab one of those envelopes and write it on the back of there. I want you to take a moment and think about somebody, concrete family member, friend, maybe it's a child, a colleague, somebody that God has placed in your life. Because I believe God has put these people here for us to share the good news that we found with them. So take just a moment to do that, and then I'm going to ask God's blessing on us to give us the courage, to give us natural opportunities, to give us the ability to share what we found with those around us in this world.